listening to Around Comics. Welcome back to another episode of Around Comics. I'm uh, Brian Salazar, and you are Christopher Neesman, and Tom Caters is, hopefully he's got a cord for his laptop this week. Say, it's we a bit, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not an episode unless Tom joins us, you know, late. in process. Right, absolutely. Yeah. What's up, my friend? Uh, it's December? Are you black eye, look at that. What, oh, did you get popped by somebody? I got a need in the head. Nice. Yeah. Good. Good. That's why I'm, you know, that's probably the safest place to hit you. Yeah, probably. I mean, <laughs> it's the least damage possible. But I thought I got hit more over here in the temple, but he must have got me up here too. Yeah, you got a little yeah. bit of a shiner. Got a little shiner. Little, there. Little shiner there. Yeah, you, you, you big hunk of man, you. <laughs> What is new? I like that shirt you're wearing, Delilah's. We haven't been there in a while. I know. Have I, I took you. That's one of my favorite watering holes in Chicago. Um, whenever I bring you know, now friends from uh, Milwaukee to uh, Chicago, we always go there, and they're like, where the hell are you taking us, even though that neighborhood's pretty nice now? But uh, Delilah's an old uh, punk bar that uh, you walk in, and you have no idea that you're walking into uh, one of Malt Advocate's best whiskey bars in america i was actually there um was it last fall or the fall before i think it was last fall my buddy's band was actually playing and so i went and uh yeah i had a had a good time had a good old time some old punk yep. some old punkers it's a great um, bar yeah it is it is i remember the first time first time I ever neighborhood was, man i'll tell you what the last time I went, uh, so this will make me sound really old. I took my daughter maybe two summers ago to see uh, Post Malone. She wanted to go see Post Malone okay. at the United Center. And, oh, wow. you know, when I was growing up, going to the United Center was sort of like going to Iraq. I mean, it was uh, not a nice neighborhood. And now it's like, white women walking their dogs you know in the middle of the night safely. you gotta go like five blocks north I, it's, it's so rough but man i'll tell you what i was shocked because i hadn't been down there in a while and i was yeah. like wow they've really uh gentrified this neighborhood a bit <laughs> it's it's Why really nice the center there yeah. <laughs> so now that yeah now it's just that that area it used to be between uh the eisenhower and like Bucktown was pretty dicey. Now the United Center, it's it's kind of squeezed that area a little bit tighter. But yeah, there's still there's still an interesting uh Buffalo yeah. Bar. What is it? Buffalo Bar Delilah's? I'm not sure what that comment means. Chris Chris Revicant from Facebook says Buffalo Bar Delilah's. I don't know what the Buffalo okay. Bar. Well, I, I, Chris is a good guy. He used to. Chris you used to. Uh, I assume you're listening. You used to do a comic book exchange over at uh, what Lizards Liquid Lounge. Just uh, reply back. Uh, 
I think I used to hang out there from time to time. That was another good Chicago watering hole. There's Chicago. enough of them. Yeah, Chicago's good for bars and comic book shops. Probably a few less by the time summer comes around this year, but we'll see. You know, people we'll always see. drink, so they'll <laughs> they will rise from the ashes. So, but anyway, that's you know that, that's me. How are you doing, sir? Ah, uh, good. You know, just uh, oh, there he is. There's there he is. The original Captain something. I'm not sure what that Captain. Long... The original Captain Marvel. Original uh, Captain Marvel, Tom. <laughs> How are you, Tom? I'm good. We were just talking uh, bars in Chicago. Oh, Some yeah. of our favorites. Some of our... I've got my, got my Delilah's shirt on. Yeah, you know, all the bars I used to like to go to are all closed. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you get old. Yeah, that's, that's what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is the owl still open? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. Hey, club foot. Owl. Club foot closed. I used to like going to club foot. Danny's is closing. In uh, Bucktown, classic bar. Really, Danny's Well is closing. The uh, Danny's, the place with the DJs, off Damon. Yeah, is yeah closing. Wow, permanently sadness. All right, let's not dwell on such things. Let's talk about happy things like uh, comic books. You in Mandalorian, which was not happy this week, but um, Mandalorian. Are we going to dive in? So, Sal, what is this new segment you have you have baked up for us? It's the I don't know. Well, I mean, I just had dive. deep dives or okay, I don't know dumpster dive, whatever we want to call it. I don't know. I don't the around comics dumpster dive, long box uh, nostalgia. The you know longing for long boxes. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, hope, we, so last week we here, here's mine. It, I hope it's not a snake. Whenever I reach in there, yeah. we so so last week we all independently, um, randomly picked a comic book out of our own long boxes. We just grabbed a long box, grabbed a comic, and and then we had to read that for this week. So it was an interesting experiment. I thought I'm not sure. If I want to do it again, quite honestly, <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Did you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, sure. then why don't you lead us off with? I don't remember what you picked. What was the comic that you picked? Chris? I grabbed Checkmate number four, and this oh, is right. this is or no number twenty four. Sorry, and this is this is where things can get a little a little weird in your your plan. Is that this is part two of Cobra's Nest? <laughs> hey. That's all part hey. of the fun of this. You have no idea where it starts, where it might end, where it might, and you're not going to read 25. This is it. No, no, I didn't. I but I will read. I will read 23 and 25 after this because I think it was actually a a three part uh, series or a three part story. Uh, to give you a little background on uh, on Checkmate, I feel like we're we're going back in time here. Um, do you guys do you guys remember Checkmate when it was coming out? Mm-hmm. I I remember it uh, like sort of as like a cousin I haven't seen in ten years. I I, I don't really know what it's up to, but I I remember its yeah. face. It, it's yeah, it's the cousin that went off to the military and came back, and and now mm-hmm. you know that cousin has probably killed people. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, got a thousand yard stare and. Kind of twitchy. I've well, seen yeah, some, I've so seen some shit. Like, dude, you've seen things now. Yeah. Uh, 
Checkmate uh, was an intro. Checkmate goes back, and Tom can probably um, fill us in a little bit more on like DC history. But uh, Checkmate goes back. I mean, that book came out like a decade ago, so no, I probably can't well, tell you any specifics. Yeah, well, this, this one came out. This, this one came out in the last decade, but I think Checkmate as a as a organization. Uh, I mean, there's it, been like a thousand, yeah. like a hundred different. It goes. It's kind of like Suicide Squad. It, it goes way back, but this was um, kind of tailor made for for Greg Rucka to to reboot. Uh, Checkmate is is basically a super power involved. Um, espionage organization that is an arm of the UN. So it's basically it's basically like the 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 UN's super powered black ops division is is probably not the best way to describe it but accurate enough. Um but this what was what was interesting about this was um Rucka co-wrote this with his uh, good friend Eric Troutman who is uh, always a, a good follow on Twitter and whatever social media. Um, uh, Eric was, uh, he owned, I think he was owner or part owner of Olympia Comics um, up in the Northwest Portland-ish area. Uh, good guy, smart guy. And so uh, Greg teamed up with him to write this. And it's it's in Greg's wheelhouse of the, Capes and cows, but espionage. Uh, there, the thing about checkmate is that there are. It's like a checkboard. It's a lot of chess uh, metaphors in this. You have the 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 white side and the black side, and there's the the white king, black king, and it's not by race. It's just a designation. Um, it's well, what, Mr. Terrific is the white king. Um, oh, sure he is. Sure he. Um, it's like does it? It's but it's designations and divisions of 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 power. Um, so it's basically there's um, oh what's the word? Plausible dino, uh, deniability in operations because there's there's separations. And I I don't know if this was a hard and fast rule or not, but there are as many non-powered. Um, um, you don't want to call them royals, but the the important chess pieces. So you've got the the king, queen, rooks, knights, bishops. Um, the bishops are the advisors to the kings. Um, each the king and the queen have a you knight. You learned all this from this one issue. This was yeah. all in this one issue. Yes, because it spells. It's it's one of these where it, it does the the whole spelling out of stuff. Easy. But I just wanted. To, anyway, I wanted to give a little background on on checkmate. So anyway, <laughs> what has happened? in this particular issue is that they have recruited the help of Superman, uh, which helps the uh, ops teams uh, in their planning because that's kind of a, a pretty good pretty good backup to have or the tip of the spear in this in this case. They are trying to hunt down a group of, uh, of Cobra um, zealots. And this is where Superman... Uh, uh, figures out that no matter how strong or tough or fast or great he is, um, he can't fight uh, radical um, terrorism because he can't, you know, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about, about radicalism. Uh, so yeah, so they bust this big Cobra base and then they're trying to figure out 
where uh, um, where like the uh, control center is for this new offshoot of Cobra, and so they send in uh, some a uh, wet works team and. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they infiltrate a much larger um, base who's, than expected and get wiped out. Who's on the Wetworks team? Uh, those are the pawns. So they're not like superheroes. They're just no, like, no. These are just yeah. murderers. Yeah. They're just hired murderers. They're they're marks basically. They've been they've been recruited, and uh, yeah. So they uh, they uh, they go in and they uh, get wiped out. And so at the end of the, the story, there is a uh, big decision that has to be made with the uh, upper crust of Checkmate on whether they should activate the Rooks. And on the last page, the Rooks are active. And uh, <gasps> so the Rooks are the Rooks are like a last line of defense. Murder and, bots. Yeah, murder bots, basically. Which I don't know. We'll find out next issue. Well, we won't. We won't. I will. I will because I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll read this. Uh, so yeah, you know, little little checkmate, little uh, um, espionage in the DC universe around 2010 ish or so. That's uh, I remember. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the series. Yeah, remember it being enjoyable. Mm -hmm. You guys see Mister uh, Terrific as a as a as a espionage guy. Yeah. Did it feel dated at all, or or was it pretty? I mean, it's not that old, so felt like a mid two thousands comic. <laughs> <laughs> not a whole lot of what, what? What do I? Would I imagine this book being published now? No, probably not like this. Um, so I guess it's of an era, you know. But I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, the thing about books like that, which which will date them, is that yeah, I think it would be written with a slightly different perspective now because the world has gone way crazier than it was in 2010. Well, that's radical terrorism. That's like uh, you know stock and trade of the United States now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's kindergarten <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So in that in that, it probably felt a little dated. Is yeah. So Remember the world when, was more sane back then. The world was more sane back then. <laughs> Remember when it would be like only in comic books would you see like uh, radical terrorists in Michigan trying to overthrow, <laughs> trying to kidnap <laughs> governors and shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that would never uh, really happen. That's just fiction. Yeah. And where where are they? Uh, take Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> Which we oh. always used to joke with Tom. I mean, Wisconsin is like international waters. Especially now. It's a little wild. It's wild west. Mm -hmm. It's getting crazy. All right, that's me. Well, I did not have as pleasant of an experience. Oh, no. <laughs> ah, yours was um, very dated, when, wasn't it? When you ran, yeah. to, when you reach into the box. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. I mean, it's, it's a life is like a box <laughs> of comics. <laughs> Alas, earwax. <laughs> I got uh, Mage, the Hero Discovered, issue number seven by Matt Wagner. Uh, this is a Kamiko book. It was That's published. The first series, yeah. Yes, this okay. was uh, published in May of 1985. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Um, interestingly, uh, uh, by Matt Wagner with inks by Sam Keith. Oh, nice. Um, which I guess I never really realized at the time, but I think he inked probably this whole first series. Um, I will, I will tell it, you. It it did have a recap. 
But like you said, it's a little weird. Like I'm jumping into this story and I don't remember it well enough to yeah. to to know what the hell is going on at all. Um, uh, one of the things I, I thought was funny initially, there's a forward in the book by Matt Wagner, and the whole forward is him apologizing because <laughs> in the latest, in the last issue of Grendel that came out, um, they didn't uh, um, name the inker. He forgot to put the name of the inker in the book, and so he spent oh, no. an entire column of forward of this book apologizing and, and saying who it was. Um, Good for him. Yeah, that, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, was you know, I really I remember liking Mage a lot when I was a kid. I remember, you know, in 1985 when I was 14 years old and reading this, and uh, you know, it was it was in the sort of heart of independent comics. You know, really that time frame um, of of sort of the indie comic was really uh, coming to uh, to a head. Um, and this was, you know, one of those books that I, I really loved and, um, reading it now is a little tougher (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like, wow, reading it, I was sort of like, man, um, there's a lot of dialogue in this book. There's a lot of people standing (laughs) around talking about what they're going to do. And that was really common and, you know, in indie books, but, but the, the other thing I thought I thought of when I'm reading this was like. This is very much like a Ben. This is how Bendis writes. This is a. This is what people complain about Bendis, and it's because yeah. he, you know, that's where he got his, he you know, sort of uh, sure. uh, cut his teeth was all in the, you know, in the indie books. But that was a. That was a very. I think that was a very indie thing. Is like, not to not to shit on indie comic book makers at all, but I think one of the differences between like a place like Kamiko and Matt Wagner sort of probably having editor you know, <laughs> huh? an editor, not having an editor. Yes. <laughs> not having an editor. And you can kind of yeah. see it in like these pages of, of sort of not useless scenes, but really scenes that don't accomplish much mm-hmm. in, in a storytelling sense. You know what I mean? Like, I think that you know they're just not really efficient, and it's just like you know I kept reading a scene like going, okay, what was the point of that scene? Like, what was he trying to accomplish? Because I kind of read books and comics in that way to some degree of like, you know, what is this scene trying to accomplish, and what am I picking up from it? What am I, you know, what am I getting out of this? Yeah, and I think there's it, a lot I mean, of scenes in here just sort of like, you know, them talking about stuff that they're going to do or that happened to them already. And it's like, yeah, I already read that. I don't know. I don't, you know, like, well, I, you know, in this, in this case, I didn't, but <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think um, 80s indie comic books, that was a, a perfect example of if someone was a pretty good artist and had an original, interesting idea, they could make a series out of that. They didn't necessarily have to be a good scripter, but yeah. a good idea. And if it looked pretty and Mage ticked both of those boxes in 1985. It absolutely did. I mean, it's 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 a fun comic. You know, the the idea is kind of cool, but the weird thing about it now is like sort of sitting there. I didn't know who Matt. You know, like I didn't know Matt Wagner at all. I never saw Matt Wagner in the 80s. I didn't even know what he looked like. I didn't know that he was basically drawing a comic about himself. 
you know, like oh, he Kevin was matchstick. Oh, Kevin gotcha. matchstick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I didn't realize that that's this was sort of a fantasy biography, not biography, but like <laughs> he is Kevin Matchstick, and it's like oh, and then like after meeting Matt Wagner and 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 getting to know him a little bit, it's like okay, that makes sense. He's yeah. he's he that that makes complete sense that he would write that a that personality. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. So I would say the 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 shine of of mage is you know a, a little tarnished for me at this point in my life i don't know that i would ever go back and read this again but i really did yeah. enjoy it as a kid um and it is an, an interesting book in the sense of like there's a lot of ideas going on in here like he has a lot of things in this one issue of like you know there's they 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 just met um uh the character sean and um they inform him that he's a ghost and he's having a hard time sort of dealing with that, which, you know, would be, uh, you know, uh, something that I think you don't see that enough in books. Like when something weird happens to people, they tend to accept it pretty quickly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden you get superpowers and it's like, Oh, okay. I'm going to go oh, yeah. be a superhero. Oh yeah. All right. No big deal. Um, it reminded me of. Do you remember in the eighties the the Starman relaunch? Not not the uh, not the Robinson Starman, but before that, when DC did the Starman, the uh, um, I can't like think of the. He was like the alien. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That, but that was like a young guy who got those powers, and like I remember really enjoying the first few issues of that because it was a lot of him, like dealing with it like going what the what is going on like how you know i don't know how to control it this is really weird and i kind of like that so so there is that in here where like even kevin matchstick at this point you know he's only this is only seven issues into this sort of epic tale that he's telling and and kevin matchstick has sort of a hard time even still believing what's going on that he's sort of the pen dragon and he's you know, uh, uh, a hero, you know, he's sort of, he, he doesn't really believe it yet. And so there's, there's some really interesting ideas from that perspective, but it's just so like overwritten, I think. So 1980s. Yeah. It's just, it's just very 1980s. Yeah. And I have a really hard time at this point, like enjoying. Yeah. It's like uh, trying to go back and read the, what the 2080 stuff. Yeah, I I just I just have a tough time with it, man. I can't do it, but it was fun to kind of you know, uh, go through it again. I will say one thing: like the coloring, it really holds up, even though it's sort of '80s, almost airbrushed to some yeah. degree. It really is pretty. Like it's it's a very you know kind of pretty pretty colored book. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably right before. It's probably right before digital coloring kind of started to creep its way in. Yeah, it's, probably. It's color. I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. I don't. I don't know. It. Yeah, it doesn't look color. digital. It looks no painted. Honestly. Yeah, it probably would. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Interesting to go back and read it, but I don't think I'm gonna. I'm gonna go back. I, it was funny. I remember when like he did the second. You know, the hero <laughs> defined or whatever, and I read that, and then he did the third one recently, and I started reading, and I'm like. Yeah, no, this isn't. This, I just can't. I can't really get into it anymore. Ain't for me anymore. Yeah, Rendell, but, outside of the character design, never held any 
attention for me. It's and I know that there are huge Grendel fans out there. David Price was big. David Grendel Price, fan. yeah, he's a huge Matt Wagner fan. You know, Grendel and, and Mage for sure. But I mean, yeah, I just uh, great character design. I never got into it beyond that. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting it was an interesting half hour of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that. Tom, are you frozen? Are you? Do you keep freezing up, or are we losing Tom? He's just really. Still. He's just really concentrating on my. <laughs> I think we lost Tom. I think he froze. Well, uh, we'll, uh, we'll let him. All right, we'll let him ride for a second. Um, do you have any comics you want to talk about from the last week or so? Um, I do actually. I have. Okay. Well, oh, there he is. He's back. Is he back? He's back. There, there he is. is. You froze on us, Tom. Yeah, I fixed it. All right. Been looking forward to this. So, Tom, you had Shazam number six. This is the DC run, right? Yeah. Um, this is the 1973 relaunch once Fawcett licensed the character to DC. I, I would like to say, first of all, that this is not fair because you did about, what, three, four years of practice of doing individual Silver Age recaps. <laughs> so I feel very outgunned. Here. Tom versus Tom versus uh, yeah. Silver. I mean, I won't, I won't, I won't bring that that level of detail to this. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a, it, it's okay. This isn't my favorite <laughs> one. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, if I'm being like, it's got three stories in it, so it's got like two new ones. You know, one by Denny O'Neill with um is the writer and uh cc back who is one of the original artists you know worked on like the first 10 uh issues of the dc relaunch and i love cc beck's art because it's kind of like harkens back to like a simpler and in some ways like more fun uh you know version of comic booking right where it's like there's it's very playful there's like lots of space, right? And like it's not jammed it's, up with a thousand words. Actually, you know, like kind of Saturday morning cartoonish. Yeah, you know, very much so, right? As opposed to like you look, there's a golden age reprint, right? And like look at how many fucking words <laughs> are on this page, man. <laughs> and then you go to the seventies one, it's like, hey, let's get rid of some of these words, right? And like just like simplify it. And I mean, and they're just really simple Captain Marvel stories, right? And I think um, they've probably aged well. I mean, I'm trying to think of like what people probably thought of this in 1973, right? Because it's not quite ironic at that point. It's probably a lot of people read it and were like, "What the what the fuck is this?" Like, yeah, yeah it would be some odd. Good... You got to think you have all the Marvel stuff that had been coming out for yeah, years. it's years. not yeah. Um, DC. it's like comics are serious, yeah. yeah it's like right? kind of like we're the, starting to get into the Bronze Age, yeah, where bit. it's like let's make our heroes more, um, you know, not grittier, but like Batman is a detective, and you know, like mm -hmm. I wonder what the thinking was at DC of like, I mean, obviously, they you know, that they wanted that licensing, but why, like, why would you know, like at that point. I don't Why know. Why even bring Shazam back? 
I mean, I think they probably saw potential with the whole family of, of characters. I mean, eventually by the nineties, they straight up just owned all of the faucet stuff or at this point yeah. they were, you know, they there's a the really piss off Marvel. There was a, the f- famous lawsuit, you know, where DC sued Fawcett saying that Captain Marvel was a ripoff of Superman, essentially kind of just like ended, you know, Captain Marvel in the fifties. So this is like the relaunch of that. Which he was, he was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. As a, <laughs> you know, on some level, most, you know, anybody who can fly and is invulnerable is probably right. on some level, a a ripoff of Superman. Um, but he was, very popular is why they sued. <laughs> it's like, More popular than Superman yeah. at one point, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, w- I was just kind of thinking about like, man, 1973, I don't know if a kid picked this up, like what they thought of this, because it definitely doesn't fit what else is happening. Like, it's definitely like a little Vietnam bit of War. like, <laughs> yeah, or just like in comics. So it's like definitely got a wink. To it, like it's a little ironic. Like you can tell Denny O'Neill and the second story is by Elliot Megan. Sure. You know, like they get what Denny you know, O'Neill wrote that. Yeah, he wrote one of the stories. Real. Yeah. Okay. So it's like it's obviously a wink to the fact that you know, in a sense, Shazam, Captain Marvel, his world is so totally different from like the DC superhero world, right? Like everyone knows Billy Batson is Captain Marvel. Like Dr. Savannah knows Billy Batson is Captain Marvel, right? Like there's no secret identity. He gives him a watch to trick him (laughs) into like the watch has suspendium so that when he says Shazam, the first, the there's two minutes between the first syllable and the second syllable. So he says Shah. And he freezes for two minutes, and then Dr. Savannah can do all kinds of evil stuff in those two minutes before he finishes and says Shazam, right? So it's like That's playful funny. sort of approaches Suspendium. to that. Suspendium, yeah. What you know, and <laughs> it's all very like his second story is his friend Dexter Knox, the boy genius, accidentally like irradiates his grandmother full of electricity. And she, all her like stuff in her house starts going crazy when she touches it. So Captain Marvel has to help. I mean, like very low stakes, like <laughs> Captain Marvel stuff. But there's definitely a playfulness to it. And then the third story is like a Golden Age reprint with like the uh, the whole Marvel family, um, which is interesting you know, to to read. But uh, yeah, I mean, there are better issues of this. You know, like. Uh, uh, it gets a little funnier actually. And I think they get a little bit more into like, you know, the idea of, you know, the multiverse, you know, works really well with Shazam because the world Shazam lives in is very weird and different and like does not fit like Earth, the world. Yeah. Or the, you know, like whatever, which I've always felt like even Shazam being in the DC universe, it's always, been a struggle to figure oh, out yeah. what the fuck he is exactly because yeah he just doesn't tr- fit the true heart of it is like it doesn't he's not a secret identity you know <laughs> like he's just a kid reporter yeah like this kid's got a job reporting for like the local tv station which seems insane 
that he's like trusted to like cover all the major news like in the town and be Captain Marvel. Well, and, and like, that, idea, <laughs> that idea just like is so, you know, sort of uh, of an era, you know, it's like yeah. so much of when Shazam first came around yeah. and, and, and you can think of it like, I mean, you think of like the radio mm -hmm. uh, serials that were happening at the time is like, it fit into that kind of, thing and then to kind of try and put that into another era uh, you know in the 70s it's it's just so hard I, I was it was i was reading it was actually carmine infantino that brought shazam to dc yeah really? but there's a quote here i just saw by um uh back and he's like uh oh what did he say um as an illustrator i could in the old days make a good story better by bringing to it to life with drawings but I couldn't bring the new Captain Marvel stories to life, no matter how hard I tried. He <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, I don't know. I think it, I think it was just such a weird, like, and still is. And I love, like, Captain Marvel has always been one of my favorite characters. And and I I love all the weirdness and silliness of the the Marvel family and all that. But he just doesn't fit. Like, even you know, I liked the movie that they did, and I yeah. thought they did. Yeah. A, a pretty decent job with it but it is just its own thing it's like whenever they put him in like jsa it's like okay well the jsa has a superman now yeah it's yeah. i don't know it's it, it, there's just something so strange about him and nobody's <laughs> quite been able to that's why that's why i liked yeah. the in multiversity when morrison did the thunder worlds oh issue. right right yeah which was cool because it essentially was like yeah captain marvel lives in a totally different totally, world yeah. that yeah. like there's talking tigers that he's friends with and one of his talking enemies talking. is a worm, worm. <laughs> and it's just like that's just how it is here you know like yeah. and I, I haven't read that multiversity issue in a while but i remember you know like how that issue embraces that of like this world's just weird <laughs> like just like crazy stuff happens and that's just how it is you know i always like, that like mary marvel felt that, that Mary Marvel fit the DCU better than Captain Marvel. I just, I, for whatever reason, I seem to enjoy stories. I could see with that. Her. Yeah, I could see that. She, mm. she, well, she always was like, I don't know. I mean, a little more the voice of reason <laughs> in some ways, you know? Kind so of the maybe big that, sister. Yeah, she was the big sister. So that, that kind of fit more. Um, yeah, I don't know. It is a weird thing. I like I said, I like Shazam, but it's such a hard like I don't think anyone has quite figured out how to reinvent him to fit in a modern comic or movie or TV. You know what I mean? Like they, they keep trying and people have done some interesting takes on it, but it's like to 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 fit him in the same universe as Superman and Batman yeah. is is just seems like nobody's quite figured out how to do that right. Where I think like he could be a really popular character, but then it's like out of that universe, the most popular character became Black Adam, mm -hmm. you know, because he he fits yeah. into the sort of dark superhero world so much better than Shazam does. Because Shazam yeah. is just at at his heart, he's a kid. He's like he's the you know, it's like they almost need to sort of, you know, like what what Marvel did with Spider Man in the Avenger movies, where he's like the rookie kid, bright eyed, and sort of, hey, they're Iron Man, you know, like kind of. But I think because he's so powerful, it's it's almost hard to do that even with him, where it's like, you know, he, he's. Yeah. I thought the movie kind of nailed that. 
I thought they did a really good job with it. I, I mean, yeah. I, I did like the movie, but um, you know, I, I just happened to watch it again. Actually, it was on HBO or something, and we were watching it, and the end scene comes up with Mister Mind, and I'm like smiling. You're, you know, you're seeing Mister Mind. Yeah. But my kids are like, like trying to explain that Mr. one of his Mind. bad guys is a worm from Venus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who wants to conquer the world. Yeah. I remember. Just, you remember when in in fifty two when Mister Mind kind of ended up being the big bad. Yeah, it's great use of Mister Mind. Mr. Yeah. What, it's a uh, got who's Booster's uh, robot Skeets. Skeets. It's yeah. Mister Mind had gotten inside of Skeets. Taking, yeah, gotten inside of him. But uh, yeah, you know it's it's yes, it's. <laughs> I, I, you know, Captain Marvel, Shazam always made more sense in a multiverse where you show up and Superman visits, you know, Earth 5, and it's like, oh, yep, this is a weird place. Or like, <laughs> Mr. Mind sneaks over to Earth 2 to like put together the, you know, like the League of Monsters or whatever, you know, like their logic kind of like sneaks over. And they like, oh, that's cool. And then they kind of go back to their place. Who was right. Earth, like, Earth B named after? Bob Haney, because he Bob. couldn't fucking keep track of where people were. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Haney just kind of did whatever the hell he wanted. He put like Wildcat in a story with Batman. <laughs> and it was like, but they're on, this is not Earth 2 Batman. You're in the wrong Earth. And it was, so they had to make a designation for those stories. Oh, like when, when you go through like the absolute crisis on infinite earth and they have like the, which I got, I got around here somewhere. Uh, they have the, the, like the compendium that comes with it that like yeah. breaks down all the different earths and like someone's listed out like earth 487 is the one that you saw in this alternate universe. Earth B is the one where uh, <laughs> wildcat and Batman hang out. <laughs> hang out. <laughs> Uh, you gotta you, uh, well. Where where is DC at now? With how many universes? Yeah, like, I don't even know now. Fifty two, like, I guess. There's I a know, dark but... universe, right? There's yeah, that's all the rage now. The dark. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's, it's not fun. Okay, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I, you know, I was always disappointed that multiversity didn't lead to like some of the more interesting like. That the story about Thunderworld didn't lead to more Thunderworld stories. Well, that's what I really thought. Like when they announced that initially and the whole concept behind it, I thought it was going to be like, okay, now we can, you know, and I think, I think I remember like reading a thing with Morrison talking about it. I was like, well, at the end of it, you're going to have all these worlds to sort of play with again. Mm-hmm. But then nobody did. Like, yeah, really- it was like in the hardcover edition, they list out what all 52 earths are i remember that and they like like this is what this earth is and this is what this earth is it's like oh okay cool like you know some of these are pretty interesting jumping off points if you wanted to do a mini series about you know this earth or that earth but then never really like materialized into like thing you know or like yeah, like I, said, I mean snyder's the only one who's who's you know the dark universe whatever that is i don't that's been out of that i think so but i don't even know if was that one of the earths i don't think it was i think Probably, that's yeah. like that's its own like it's taken over everything now it's like i'm kind of re- ready for the whole metal 
you know, it's like, okay, we get it. You're a nerd who likes metal and everything's <laughs> metal. It's but... so metal, man. So metal. <laughs> so metal. So, yeah. so, so was this a, a moderate success? We should, you know, let listeners speak, but are you guys ready to, to go back to the boxes? I don't know. Do we want to do it every week or, or, or just like every once in a while? Let's well, do it once a month. Once a once month? A month? Okay. All right. All right. So next, so next week is are we the first trade of Transmet's not that big? Are we going to be ready to talk about Transmet next week? Yeah, I can read it by then. Okay, I haven't yeah. started, but I, I can. I, can I, I think the first trade's only like four issues or something. It's not a it's not a big yeah. trade. Cool. I'm gonna. I have to read all of them though. The oh. entire series. You have to read. You know before what? you're ready to. Before I'm here's ready here's to. a common foot confession. Never finished Transmet. Oh really? Yeah, never. It's I yeah, got about I can't rem- twice. I can't remember if I did or not. Yeah, yeah. It's and I like it. It's just one that I just never. I think I stopped buying it. It's like some I, the trades went out of print or something, and I didn't have the go get it. I don't even know if I did either. Who knows? I may not have. Yeah. We'll get into we'll get into this when we talk about. It, but I always liked the idea of it more. I think than I liked. The execution, the execution, or like the stories, right? Like I always yeah. like like the idea of it, and there's like moments that I like in it, but it's like I can't, you know I can't say that oh God that I could talk about any story that actually happens or any of those like stuck with me beyond like I could explain like the concept of the series and like things I remember about it, but like I don't remember ever being like oh that was a great story maybe i'm just old and no i i don't think i mean i think he wrote it in a way where it was you know i mean it was that sort of gonzo ideal that he was searching for i think and and it was just it, it was a lot of craziness sort of packed into it but not necessarily a a clear narrative you know through it you know it was just like it, it would jump all over the place like, what, like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it next week. Yes, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that holds up because things are definitely weirder now than they were in 2000. So, well, I did read a fun comic this week. Yay! Uh, that came out. If we want, uh, um, yeah. Modoc Head Games Number One. This is a, a Modoc miniseries. It's by uh, written by Jordan Blum and Patton Oswalt. I don't know who Jordan Blum is. Uh, but Patton Oswalt, the comedian and, and big comic book fan, with art uh, by Scott Hepburn. Um, it was really fun. Like, basically, the, it's, it's you know, the idea is Modoc, you know, we know who Modoc is. This, uh, and he's, he's in charge of AIM, but he's sort of going through this uh, kind of crisis at the moment where he's being very distracted by memories of a life that he didn't have or he didn't doesn't think he had where like he had a modoc family and like a modoc wife and like kids <laughs> and stuff so he's being very but were they all like modocs no just the wife was and then the kids were like normal so i don't know yeah i don't know but it was just like flashes but so he's sort of being challenged in as the leader of aim um by uh um a woman i don't um i don't know who she is i don't know who the who the oh her name's monica rapacini 
I don't know. She's just an aim, you know, science, mad scientist or whatever. But the thing I really enjoyed about this was the way that they portrayed Modoc. I thought was perfect because you know he's brilliant. You know, he has this amazing like computer mind that can make you know enormous amounts of calculations uh, very quickly and easily. Um, he's extremely powerful and deadly. You know, he has psionic powers and all this stuff. And you would think that that would make him a really effective villain, but I don't know that Modok ever has been, right? Like, he's always sort of been, not a joke, but, you know, he's never necessarily been like a top-tier villain, I don't think, in Marvel. And they kind of explain it in a way by, you, you in this, you kind of get to see his thoughts and his, you know the what's going on in his head and the way they did it he's so sort of constantly annoyed by the idiots around him and by <laughs> all the like common stupidity in the world that it distracts him from being like a really effective supervillain and, it, and it's really <laughs> funny yeah it's really good like they really nailed him he he is sort of like and it, and it works because Patton Oswalt you know you know his his comedy is sort of like that. I mean, I'm sure he's like that to some degree as a person, but I think, you know, the character he plays on mm -hmm. stage is sort of like that very millennial or, or not millennial, but, but very like, uh, you know, pissed off at the world, like, you know, mm -hmm. agitated by everything in the world because everything is stupid. You know, I mean, that's just sort of a comedian. Like, that's what comedians mm -hmm. are kind of like. It's like, that's why they're comedians because everything adds. And that's sort of Modoc. He's just the morons around him in aim. Just the way the world works in a stupid ways. Um, and I'm it makes him a little. Apple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was it was really funny. So so he's basically the the this issue is basically him being challenged by this Monica agent in aim for sort of leadership. And, um, and at the same time, he's having these like flashbacks to this family that he doesn't know, um, you know, what it is. He doesn't understand it. Uh, and, and, and at the end, I don't want to spoil it for anyone or anything, but at the end, um, it, uh, uh, you know, it, it leads to him looking for help, um, and sort of, uh, you know, uh, being pushed out of aim and, and, and then looking for help. But, um, it, 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 I just thought it was really funny, and I'm like, man, in reading it, one, the, the art was really great. It, it reminded me a little bit of um, Chris. Who's the artist who did the the Wonder Woman series, the the Dead Earth? Uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson. A little bit like that. Very kinetic. Very a lot of energy. Um, a little you know, kind of gross when he draws certain things, you know. Um, but very fun this was a really 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 fun comic book and when i got done reading i'm like man i would love to see a cart this could be a cartoon like this modok could absolutely be a cartoon you know in sort of the vein of like pinky in the brain where it's like you have this genius who wants to take over the world but he's constantly distracted by idiocy <laughs> and and i'm like i could see that every week like him just having some plan to take over the world and and you know, because of his own, you know, sort of arrogance and also, you know, the people around him sort of not living up to his standards, his impossible standards, you know, hilarity ensues. But 
really fun issue. Really, really, really mm-hmm. like a cool. fun comic book all Sounds around. Cool. Great art, great writing. It was really good. I might have to check it out. Sounds yeah, good. I, 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 uh, I was surprised. Nice. So I think More. I talked about the first issue of of Cable uh, uh, by Jerry Duggan and, and Phil Noto, which they did. Was it was it called? No, it wasn't Event Horizon. What was the? They did the the crap. What was the name of that series that they did that I really enjoyed? It was kind of a retelling of of the Odyssey. Um. Anyway, it's that remember. team. It's it's that team. Uh, well, back they've done together. a bunch of stuff together now, right? The what? They've done a bunch of stuff together now. Yeah, they? I think they're they're kind of a, a definitely a go to a go to team. Tom, I think you would love this comic. All right, it is more, more so than, and I think Sal would enjoy it. Just, I did start reading it. I, I read the first issue. I haven't I haven't read more, but I I did like the first issue. Just the absolute, just fun. This is like how like a how I imagine a. a a teenager series in the Marvel universe being it's, it's having ridiculous superpowers. I mean, cable. This well, is it's perfect for us then. I mean, Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, cause we're teenagers at heart. I don't know that I, I am so far behind on, uh, on, on, X, yeah. on X stuff. I don't know how young cable came into this world and why it's not old cable anymore. I don't care. And He's you a don't time care. traveler, baby. It, it, exactly. He's a time traveler. Time travel. And that's all matter. Matter. It's comic book. That, is that cables kind of like the, he's kind of like the captain of the football. He's big man on campus uh, with all of the, the younger ex students. Um, he's in this, he's dating all of the cuckoos, which is hilarious. And, uh, and Emma Frost is like, it's like, do not break my daughter's hearts. Except for Esme, she deserves it. Are they her daughters? Huh? Are they her daughters? They they refer to her as mother. She refers to her to them as her daughters. I'd have to go back and read the Grant Morrison. I don't don't remember. But yeah, the oh, there goes last time again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's got space knights. So it's like if you're a Rom fan, there's space knights in here. If you're a Deadpool fan, it has him going. And and hooking back up with 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 not, did I say Daredevil Deadpool? So it's Deadpool interacting right, right. with young surly Cable, which leads to all sorts of of funny. Just saying that he goes and he has to deal with with Deadpool, who is apparently a king now somewhere. It's king of something. Sure. It's, um, it's comics, baby. It's that's why I think you would love it, Tom. It's just. It's just a super fun cable series, young cable, and it definitely has that that kind of teenage TV show, you know, One Tree Hill kind of thing, you know, going. So yeah, super fun. The only thing I didn't like was the beginning when he was fighting Wolverine, and I'm just like, all right, why does everybody have to use Wolverine as sort of like the cannon fodder now? Like you know, whenever it seems like. He's the go-to. We're gonna beat up Wolverine to show how badass this character is. I, I think that's kind of what it does: is that it shows that Cable's able to hold his own in, in a fight. So it just kind of sets up his his power his power level would be my guess. Which it's cheap, it up. yeah, huh? It's lazy writing. Well, it's probably yeah, yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, hey, Wolverine sells comics, babies. 
That he does. Yep. Always but has. yeah, I, I now that the uh, I had wanted to get the next few issues of it, and then I went to the comic shop, and it's volume one is already out, and I think it's only maybe four four issues, um, four or five issues. So it's a quick a quick read, but I enjoyed it. Cool. Did Phil you read it else? Hmm? this week, Tom? What was that? Did you read anything else this week? Ah, nothing worth talking about. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying gotta, to shake um, off your uh, shake, shake off your Dune hangover. Oh yeah, yeah. I stopped reading that. Didn't read. Didn't. I gave it another, uh, another like ten pages. I was like, ugh, no. <laughs> Great. I downloaded it. Uh, I bought it on Kindle. I started reading it, but it's on I have Hoopla. like four. Huh? It's on Hoopla. Oh no, no, not. not I'm sorry, not the comic. Uh, the, oh, the book. Yeah. Oh. But. I wanted to, I wanted to say some I wanted to um mention something. I got somebody sent me uh this comic that I don't know. I'm not sure when it was published. I think it was pretty recently. Um by Dave Sim. Oh really? It's called uh You Don't Know Jack, Two-Fisted hmm. Comic Store Manager. Um it's 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 extremely weird. Uh it was published it's Dave Sim. Yeah, it was published in 2020. October of 2020 is what it says, but I don't know. I don't know where this came out. I don't know. It doesn't have a publisher on it. I, I'm assuming it's self-published. Um, it is. <laughs> it is one of the most bizarre and beautiful comics that I've ever seen. Like as far as just straight up black and white mm -hmm. artwork. It, it. It. I don't think it's Dave Sim actually doing the art. I'm not. I'm not sure. It doesn't say. Okay. There's like four names on the on the front cover. There's it's Dave Sim, Carson Grubra, and Jack Van Dyke. Um, so I'm not sure if this is Dave Sim's art or not. I don't think it is. I think it's the Carson yeah. guy. But it is fucking gorgeous. But the stories are so weird and like strangely, um. Like, like strangely anti-feminist in a, mm. but pretending to be feminist. I was going to say, how much misogyny is in this book? A lot, but like in a weirdly, uh, like almost, I can't, it's so hard to explain. This is one of the weirdest comics I've ever read. One of the things about it is, and he tells you this in the beginning, the, 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 the character of the book is this female this woman uh, named Jack, and she's a comic store manager, apparently, and I believe she's a real person that they know and that they had taken pictures of her for reference material for another comic book uh, that, that Dave Sim was doing called The Death of Alex Raymond. Alex Raymond, the famous comic book artist who died in a car crash. Mm -hmm. Evidently, Dave Sim was going to work on or did work on a comic book version of that story. And he had taken some photo reference, but it was like, like three pictures of this woman. And it took me a while to realize it because the art is so wonderfully done. But he uses the same image over and over and over again. Every panel of this woman talking is essentially one of three panels. <laughs> but it works so well because he's so, okay. this is the fucking infuriating thing about Dave Sim is that 
he is an absolute fucking master of this medium, but also a misogynist, you know, kind of piece of shit. Yeah. And it's just like, but I was fascinated by the book. It's so weird. It's so, but I'm telling you, it is, it is so beautifully done from a black and white, just like purely use of the medium. It is just like a fucking shame that it's too bizarre, you know, like, like too bizarrely, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't even say it's misogynist in the sense that it's just like poking the bear. It's like intentionally just sort of like, you know, it's, it uses a lot of sort of like trigger warning stuff and, and it's like just trolling. Yeah. It's just trolling, but unbelievably beautiful art. Like that's the fucked up thing about it is like, it's, it's such, so such good comic books. And just such a fucking absolute waste of time. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I don't need to dedicate any more time in my life to reading anything that Dave Sim has to. It, it is so yeah. odd. And like I said, somebody sent it to me. So I'm like, okay, I'll take a look at it. Yeah. Um, I just had to talk about it because it was just like, I, I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm looking at pages of it. I mean, it's beautiful, right? It's just yeah, masterful artwork. Um. And and it's and it's a it's a strange like <laughs> you know what it reminds me of a little bit. What's that? It reminds me of uh, when we were talking about Rorschach and the fake comic inside it, where oh. it's like I'm going to explain my agenda, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, oh god, that's oh, what no. this that's <laughs> what this is kind of. It's, it's very at the one point he does. It's and it's a bunch of like short stories. It's a bunch of like you know some are longer than others, but one is about like how evidently he I don't know if he's angry, but he thinks it's funny or kind of stupid that the new Iron Man is a woman, and so he's taken classic covers of Tales of Suspense and redone them with Iron Man like the old you know Mark One armor, but with giant. Uh, armor tits boot plates on it and he's done like four fucking covers like and, and they're unbelievably well done and and it's just like can't you find anything else to say like couldn't you like it's just I'm so sorry strange. your mother didn't love you <laughs> yeah I'm i don't sorry. know i mean I don't, honestly I, I don't even know what like i know like there was some controversy or there's a lot of you know I never read enough of Cerebus to know like what the controversy around it was. I don't even know why people were pissed off at Dave Sim. I know that people all are pissed off at Dave Sim for things that he said and done. And obviously he's yeah, a trolley douche. Uh, You know, I mean, it's very easy to tell from this effort, but it's Uh, just like, yeah, man, we talked about Matt Wagner earlier and Dave Sim is another, you know, kind of '80s icon of of independent comics and Cerebus, some brilliant, brilliant stuff. And so, when I think of Dave Sim, I just kind of makes me sad because the guy had a pretty amazing comics legacy. That for whatever reason, he's just kind of shit all over it in the last decade or so. And it's sa- it's sad to me because he was kind of like an '80s indie icon and. You know, it's like, I wish that was the legacy that he left. And, you know, unfortunately, he's got to, you know, kind of, you know, shit all over the Sunday, you know, for 
Well, and the fucked up thing is, like, I don't know who this, and I keep saying Dave Sim, but I don't believe that the artwork in here is by Dave Sim, even though it kind of looks like a Dave Sim comic. Cerebus-esque. Yeah, to some degree, but it's absolutely gorgeous. And it's like, well, now you're just taking somebody else down with you. This guy is obviously an incredibly talented artist. Yeah. And and you're just fucking taking them down, you know, this shitty, you know, rabbit hole of... of maybe he's an useless. asshole, too. Huh? Maybe he's an well, asshole. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what I mean. I mean, yeah. uh, it's, just, it's just weird. I just had to talk about it a little bit because it's just such an... Um, such a strange. You know, I've read some uh, Cerebus, and you can definitely see the. I feel like there's a transition in it where it goes from like it goes into that weird space of that fake comic in the Rorschach, where it's like, whoa, what is that? Like now, someone's just like talking at me about like a parody, like, a parody like, of itself, almost. Yeah, where it's just like, this is my agenda. And I'm going to explain it to you. And if you don't like it, I'm just going to keep explaining it. It's like sort of a classic. I feel like, um, you know, it's like one of those cases where someone explains what they believe and people are like, oh, that's fucked up. And it's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Let me keep explaining. <laughs> this is important. It. This is really and, important. And, keep explaining it and people keep going. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Like, well, it's you know, it's kind of what you know. Whenever we talk about Frank I Miller, I get what you're saying. It's yeah. fucked up. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, we've talked about this with Frank Miller that you know, when he started publishing some of his more off the wall stuff, it's you go back and you read, you know, DKR and and some of his other. It's like that was there. We just didn't realize that he meant it. You know, it's. It, it came off as satire, and it's like, oh no, that's the, he may have like actually <laughs> been like believing some of those talking heads, you know. It's you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, it, it's an odd thing. It's uh, yeah. you know, I don't know. I think yeah, with Frank, you know, I don't know. Frank's uh, interesting. We've and talked both very interesting. Incredibly talented. It's but... hard to say. Because it's like he, I don't know them, right? So, sure. so the things I know are what they say publicly, but the things that they say publicly would lead me to think, like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, so it's always like, hey, like this is the stuff you've chose. This is your voice that you've chose to, to represent yourself with. You know, well, that's so where that's like, where I'm like, and it's like, dude, you know, I mean, let me. I, Here's the like the opening page is is it's a little weird. I don't quite understand it, but but it's basically this woman reading some comics, this Jack woman. Mm -hmm. But then he's explaining to you that every story in here is going to have a um like a trigger warning level number, whether it's nine, this is a trigger level nine point eight. So he's sort of poking that, you know, bear. But the way he writes this part, it says, accompanying that is a number specifying the exact number of pounds per square inch exerted by Aunt Sadie and clutching her pearls when she got to, to what offended her in the story. And 
regardless of what he's saying, because obviously what he's saying is just, like you said, trollish. It's like, that's a wonderfully written fucking sentence. Like it's, he's, mm. he, that's the thing that's so fucking maddening. It's like, you're obviously an incredibly bright, intelligent, artistic person. Why is it you're choosing this to, to be your legacy? Why that? You know what I mean? Like I would, I would fucking kill to have the talent that Dave Sim has, but he chooses to fucking waste it with this bizarre war against, you know, uh, it's just Whatever. so odd. It's just sort of yeah. screaming. Uh, old, old man yells at cloud. Yeah, man. You know, where it's like, okay, like what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's, it's, you know, Isn't yeah, there anything it, better you could be, you know, like, because it's so like, it's so strange because it's like I'm doing this small little thing that most people don't know about and the people that are funding it. Like, that's the thing, though. It's like an Indiegogo project, right? Like, people, you know, you have your audience who, you know, on some level, if they're donating money, are like, I want to see more of what Dave Sim does. You know, so maybe that factors right. into it too, where it's like, well, this is what I do, you know, and like, it just seems so strange, like, to, like, have this like trollish, rinky-dink thing that like is never by the the topic and the way you're trolling people is never going to get in the hands of anybody that you want to have any sort of discourse with. You know, or like if you think what you're saying is important, like you've packaged it in like a weird way that like, I, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, what is this? Like, why? Yeah, do you, well, that's the like, thing, too. It's like, it's so bizarre. You know, it's like, is it a big is is it just a big joke? Are, are you oh, trying yeah. to convince people of something? Are you trying to change people's minds? It's just so odd. Yeah, it's because intriguing. he, you know, because he always has an air of seriousness to what he does, right? So yeah. it's like hard to take it as a joke because he always has this thread, you know, even in service of like this is serious thought about something, right? You know, like so it's hard to say that anything's like a tossed off joke, even when he's making it a toss off joke because everything well, even in done, this, it starts off very jokey like he he, yeah. he he there's even a part like in the beginning where he's sort of explaining everything and he's sort of like self-deprecating you know the the, the yeah. main character is sort of making fun of dave sim and he's sort of making fun of himself but as it goes on there's less and less of that and more you know just sort of this weird you, you know, bashing of women and, and, and uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't even, it's just so odd. It's just so it's fucking weird, odd. Right? I, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to like, I mean, and maybe the theme of today is weird eighties independent <laughs> comic creators just doing their thing. And it's like, well, then there's like, there's one, there's one story in it that is, um, is titled, uh, fanboy id, julie bell and then parentheses is by far the better painter and 
it's a one page story about a guy in a comic book store. It looks like talking about how Boris Vallejo's art, uh, gets him excited and then it basically the joke is uh you know this guy is going to buy this art book of boris vallejo's and and go home and masturbate to it and julie bell's book heaves a sigh of relief and and so it's it's such an odd thing because if you don't know who those people are like most people know who boris vallejo might be you know he's a very famous painter and and but like Julie Bell is his second wife and she was a, she's a painter as well. And she's a terrific fantasy painter as well. But like, it's such a bizarre, like it's a weirdly defensive thing of Julie Bell's art. And, and, yeah. and but it's like just so odd. Well, and yeah. Odd. In 2020, like when was the last time anybody thought of fucking Boris Vallejo or Julie Bell? Like, when was that relevant? Like, it's just such an odd thing in 2020 to have this one page story. I, 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 I can't even like, it's, 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 it's so weird. It's just such a weird thing for me, like to sit here and try and go, well, what is he, what is this? Why, why, you know, why is this in here? Is this just a random fucking thought, you know, that he, that he decides to illustrate. And I, I don't know. I, it's just shit like that. It's a fascinating book. It really is. Fa- I, that's the because. What's the name of it again? It's called "You Don't Know Jack" comic store. Uh, let me go back to the beginning. You don't know Jack, two fisted comic store manager. Um, and I, I yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's it's, and then he has these um, these other ones where it's like very uh todd mcfarland jim lee 90s uh there's a this 90s female character called uh avon jocks uh, avon jocks a-v-e-n-j-a-c-q-u-e-s and those there's like two or three of those stories in here that are very weird and completely out of place it seemingly and they're in a you know they're in a very 90s you know image comic style um yeah, there's so much bizarre yeah. shit in this one issue. It's it's worth taking a look at just because uh, of the the dichotomy of it. It's, it's of just it. yeah. <laughs> it's you do not see stuff like this published much anymore in comics. You know what I mean? And that's something about Dave Sim I didn't know, which explains a lot. What's Canadian. Can <laughs> come on now. <laughs> <laughs> We're huge in Canada, man. Don't don't. Uh... Don't upset our Canadian. Yeah, I'm the only curler of the three of us, so. Uh, that, that's for sure. That is for <laughs> sure. But anyway, I just I just wanted to bring it up because it, it's. I it's, Tom, Tom Tom Tom's got that. I've got to get up at four a.m. Look. Yeah, I gotta. We gotta wrap this up. All right, bud. Hey, I, I tell you, let's do something new. Let's actually do the outro with Tom here. Yeah, usually with Tom here. We can so, do that. All right. So uh, so transmit next week. Um, you I'm gonna can. read that Dave Sim comic. I'm gonna find some way to read that Dave Sim comic. So I can <laughs> there you go. Talk to um, you about how weird it is. 
Remember, you can uh, you can contact the show by emailing us at info at aroundcomics.com. You can hit us up on all the social media outlets out there, except for TikTok. We're waiting for Tom to start the TikTok channel. Um, he is yeah. the youngest of us. That would only yeah. make sense. You're, you're Get out there and do a dance. Do one of them TikTok dances. You know what all the what all the kids are doing these days. All the young people. All right. So uh, ask my son. Trade talks and uh, catch up on some other comics and maybe talk a little Mandalorian. I want to talk about the FET. You guys excited about the FET? Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I'm more excited that Bill Burr's returning. Yes. I mean, it was cool. The Boba Fett thing was cool. It's it's like, okay, yeah. uh, you know, that's neat. It was a cool scene. And um, you're like, oh, Bill Burr, way excited. But then I was like, whoa, Bill Burr's coming back? Hell yeah. yeah. So I'm excited for that. Yep. So looking forward to that. So uh, we'll talk about all of that and a bunch of other stuff in the meantime. In between time. We'll be everywhere in.